Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Woman on Fire podcast. As usual, I am Daniela, and I am here with Jamie. And today's yeah. one, of, yeah, today's one of those extra special days where we got an extra special guest joining us. We are really honored to be here with midwife Nicole Morales. I hope I said that all right. Um, I have a cousin named Nicole, so I just had to say it with the Spanish accent. Uh, <laughs> welcome, Nicole. Uh, please introduce yourself. Uh, thank you both for having me. Um, good morning. And um, I'm Nicole Morales, and I live in San Diego, California, and I'm a home birth midwife here. I have a small practice, and I got into this work because I had my babies at home and um, I'm also a spinning babies approved trainer. I am, uh, do a lot of breach advocacy. And that means that I see a lot of parents at the end of pregnancy who are presenting breach and do a lot of work with um, helping them navigate the last parts of their pregnancy. Um, and utilize a lot of body work. I also um, am a co-author of a book called The Breach Release, which um, is called The Breach Release, Opening Pathways for Midwifery and Prenatal Body Work. So that's kind of a, a few things about me related to midwifery. Awesome. Wow, we're super honored that you were willing to schedule this time to be here with us. And let's just share a little bit of what sparked this in the first place. So, I saw a post you made uh, and I'm, I'll just go ahead and read it. Uh, you wrote, the art of not knowing or not doing in birth is best when accompanied by wisdom instead of ideology. And I read that and it was, it, it was like the horn of truth had been, had been blown and it was perfect. And I had to repost it. Um, and here we are ready to have a whole podcast episode about it because it's there's so much to say about it more than just fits in the little caption box of Instagram. <laughs> so, you know, I have a lot of thoughts about it, but I want to invite you to share what that means to you, where it was coming from. Uh, and yeah, let's dive into it. That's what brought us together. I posted it and then somehow you ended up seeing it and commented on it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I saw it and I was like, oh, oh, that looks like the quote I had. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, wait, I'm agreeing. And so then I started agreeing with you. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay, I got it. But you agree because you were. <laughs> but, you know, I think that as um, someone who has apprentices working with me, um, and someone who's really tried to purposefully choose how to frame my midwifery work through time. Um, it's been one of my goals to not do things. And I think that we start out, or at least I started out, um, I came into midwifery. I, I had had my babies in the nineties in San Diego, um, and Midwifery wasn't quite regulated, but was being regulated and, um, you know, and was influenced a lot by, by my midwife, um, which is a whole other story um, because 
of her journey and how it influenced me. But, you know, the midwifery of that time period really um, laid down my foundations of values for um, what some people would call hands-off midwifery um, or that place of not doing things. And, and I, I, and that's kind of where I started with my initial agreements, you know, was hanging out in my midwife. Her name was Abby Odom and um, she'd have uh, Janine Parvati Baker would come to town and hang out in the living room. And I was 22 and hanging out there as well. Not, not, um, you know, recently having had a baby, but not necessarily um, with an agenda, but just kind of um, witnessing conversations. And, you know, I think that we grow with more wisdom over time about being hands-off because, you know, um, those, that's, that's the midwife I wanted to be and felt like I was destined to be. And at the same time, we grow with more information and more experiences and learning how to do that while learning how to do things. And, and I think it's that discernment um, right there of when you move from this passive way of holding a birth of just kind of being there in the space and maybe tracking the nervous systems in the room and you start moving to more of a, um, a place of, wait, something's caught my attention and I go to a different level of observation and paying attention, you know, and, and then, you know, we're there for, um, some would say emergency, some would say cleaning up the birth room, <laughs> and some would say just knowing how to help people um, in many ways through that, through a birth or through pregnancy or through whatever they need help getting through. And some ways they're helping us get through things too, right? It's, it's just how it, the nature of, is of the work. But I think it's that place of, of observation that brings us to another point of um, knowing when to act or when to do things, you know, there's that, that, um, those nuances of that. And I think that someday I'll get there, like I'll arrive someplace, you know, but right now I'm still in that place in midwifery of becoming constantly becoming and constantly learning right from each person that we're with, partly because everybody's unique and, and, I'm not always the same either and how I hear things or listen to things or things I, I learn along the way about um, not doing or doing, you know? And, and um, I think a lot of what we're doing in, in this work is validating and listening. And so as I, I'll go back to being an, a, a mentor to my apprentices and as I return to that, it's that place of how do I teach students to do that? And, and what I'm realizing and watching um, this next generation of midwives come up is that they're so used to doing things. And so what I, what my belief system is, is that we've kind of lost losing the art of not doing things because there was an assumption in the room at birth that, that midwives knew how to not to not do things and yet still track the birth and because that's just um usually 
taught by example. And it's not like we have the list of not doing in front of us or, or the list of how, what we're doing when we're not doing things in front of us. I feel as if that, that's kind of gotten lost in the fray. That, you know, we, we, we have all these things to learn to do and then we've just forgotten the things that we assumed we knew. And I'm talking as like a midwifery culture as a whole. And, and, it's, and so I, I think that's kind of the art as I think of it right now is how do we notice when help is being called for, right? And, and then also noticing not just that help's being called for and that it's time for a shift of energy, but that we don't have to go to an extreme. An extreme, I mean like, oh, okay, well, let's see what's going on. Instead, we can say, notice that, that there needs to be a shift of energy. And maybe it's like noticing that someone's finding a particular position that they're trying to go to. And, and maybe that's, it's about validating that position and saying, hey, I noticed you're doing this. And for me, I'm thinking, oh, wow, this person thinks that they're pushing, but look at them hanging out in these like inlet positions. Like what's happening here? You know, well, let's maybe go a little bit more deeper into this or, um, yeah. So I, I think, you know, also noticing mirror neurons and noticing what my intuition is saying, what their intuition is saying and what this baby's telling us too. So, you know, it, it, these are, these are things that I think that so many of us are developing and some and as I talk to some of the older midwives or work with them, it's like they, they don't name what they do, but then when you start asking, you start learning. But it's like you have to ask those questions because, you know, they've been to thousands of births. Mm -hmm. And they can see something that needs to happen, but they don't necessarily name how they came to see that, right? So I, I, I think that as a, as a midwife, um, right now my passion is really about shifting midwifery from being so divided and shifting our cervic, the cervical centric culture and <laughs> shifting um, how the divisions are actually dividing us and kind of that back to the basics physiology of birth and actually redefining that too. So all of that is really where my passion's lying right now. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that rundown. It gave me a lot of notes that I could like tease from and I'll go back to that apprenticeship piece. Yeah me reflecting of being an apprenticeship and there's some correlations with how I showed up as an apprentice of course with how I show up in the world of, in general like what's my personality <laughs> um, I've generally been a very like keep to myself timid soft-spoken kind of person so when I kind of kindled my passion for birth work it was by unveiling 
what was going on in the medical industrial complex and knowing, oh, okay, well, that's not what I'm going to be supporting in my life. So then that set me off on a journey of figuring out what I am going to be supporting. So we, you know, we talked, we've talked this podcast quite a bit about trying not to necessarily have to compare the art of midwifery with the technical model or the technocratic model. Um, So I'm not trying to do that, but the reality is that was part of my beginnings with midwifery and birth work. It was seeing that juxtaposed of like, (laughs) oh, so I think that may have played a role in my pendulum swinging and how I approached the birth work at the beginning of like the not doing, right? Because of seeing how much there is that routine hands-on always do in that industrial complex and seeing how that can cause, well, it does cause more problems than it's solving when it's just, we're just doing because it's routine, not because it's actually warranted. And I think that might be at the roots of a lot of this conversation for the midwifery world in general of just trying to be the total opposite of like, no, we're gonna be hands-off because they're way too hands-on. So we need to remedy this. <laughs> but- For sure. What, when I reposted your post, part of what I said was we got to be careful because the routine hands off can be just as detrimental as the routine hands on. Doing anything just because it's the protocol without thinking about it, it, it that's not the goal. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I, I've been thinking a lot about the nuances of that lately. Um, you know, I, I, th- I think that whole, you know, I started with this ideology here in a minute ago of, of like, you know, being hands off and what I dreamed I would be right and I'm still trying to dream that. And then the reality of it is that you learn different things along the way. And then when you, and then even when you're doing this work, and then you're not what you dreamed you would be in the beginning you know, then of course you become what the bad midwife or, you know, I, I did birthing from within along the way. I I started birthing from within the same month I started midwifery school. So I think that is also given me another level of um, challenging what's going on with my internal self. And also, you know, that place of, of uh, non-judgment from various points of view of what works for people midwives included and, and people birthing and, um, but, you know, I, I'll go back to what recently I really have been thinking about is, you know, I've been teaching shoulder dystocia and breach and, and, and some of these challenges have come up about like, you know, that passive card, this card game, I play this passive card sitting there and (laughs) you, you know, and then you pick it up and you're paying attention in a different way. And it's like, you know, and especially for shoulder dystocia, it, it's important to recognize when help is needed or for breach complications, which is a lot, sometimes shoulder dystocia, um, you know, recognizing that help is needed. And, and I think the first thing that we need to do in, in learning, or for me, it, the process has been like learning the landscape of birth. Like, what is the landscape that we're working with? You know, whether it's the body or the anatomy um, which we've got to re-question and, and re-visualize and look at the connections of all that too. Um, but then also really knowing what usually happens, right? What we typically see and that we can pay more attention to those signs of um, 
of not just normal, but just also even in our own body or, you know, in, and kind of looking at the beacon of the labor pattern or looking at um, different things like that. And then once we have that, then it's like the timing and it's moving on that time of, of, of knowing that tipping point of when to do things. Cause sometimes we know what needs to happen, but even the person who's birthing that, that mother knows, I, I think about a particular book that mother knows exactly what they need to do to make it happen too, but they're not making that change because they're not ready for that moment to happen. Yes. And so then we just sit with that and we're like, wow, we all know. But, but what's going to happen next, <laughs> you know, and like being in that place of, and then it's like, oh, you can feel the building where they either like ask, you know, you know, ask like, or say, let's do this, or I want help, or this is, you know, and it's, and it's like that tipping point and, and with shoulder dystocia or more, where bigger complications, it's knowing that the baby's talking to us too. And so being able to recognize that now, right? And I, I think that that's where I've made more mistakes, not necessarily with shoulder dystocia, but with breach and just being able to say, oh, the baby's like, I know the baby's talking to me. I know I'm going to have to do something, but I'm going to be a good midwife and be hands off for another contraction. So I can say I was a good midwife rather than just, I already know I needed help. This baby needs help, right? So I'm learning that nuance. And I feel like that timing is so that's kind of the art of midwifery, right? That's, that's totally it. So I've, I'm so enjoying listening to you speak because so many things ring true. And it's, I think about things that I say all the time as far as, you know, knowing when to step in comes from a place of observation and there's many ways to listen. There's many ways to observe. And of course, yeah, sometimes you wanna step in but you see the woman isn't ready and um and so that not doing isn't from a place of dogmatic like mindset it's from a place of knowing and so that too right experience and attending and watching but what i really wanted to also um talk or mention that hit home for me was knowing in your own body and this is that many ways of listening right you're listening to the baby, you're listening to the mom, but then really having the time and getting familiar with what is your own body saying about what's happening and being mindful of that too, because we are all playing a role and we all have this responsibility. Um, and so sometimes the mom isn't ready and yet it's time, right? <laughs> and so, um, to offer that suggestion, but even in the earlier part when you were speaking about sometimes intervening isn't necessarily let's check or whatever, it's that validation or that I see that you're doing this and sort of like bringing them into their feeling as we step into our own feet, like recognizing what's happening with our bodies in these scenarios of then bringing them down because sometimes they're just out there right laboring in space and they don't even recognize that they're doing those things and so like why do you think you're leaning into that what is your baby telling you things like that so i'm just really loving what you're saying um and how and and now i guess my turn to validate that you know that that's a lot of the place that um 
I feel that stepping in or holding back and watching the mother rise into her own time or space. Those, those are things that can't be taught online school or trained in a classroom that that comes from being with women, you know, and, and various women. And that's why I think we're always learning, even our elders who've attended thousands of births, you know, they'll tell you there's always something to learn, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. whether it's about ourselves or about the mothers or, you know, yeah. there's no, I guess that's the only continuance, right? There's no always or never, except there is always something to learn. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I've thought about like how we start teaching or mentoring intuition and mentoring some of these things, because with the not naming, we've had some loss in how people see their value systems within their assessment or value systems within anatomy or value systems. Like it's all over the, the tools, the toolbox has value systems all inside on. Sometimes we'll have things at the bottom kind of like astray that we don't use very often. Um, but, you know, I think that um, I do a lot of storytelling. So I have a, a course that I have done for, I don't know, 10 years now. It's called um, The Birth Worker's Journey. It's storytelling, healing, and the birth worker's journey. And um, so really utilize a lot of like stories as ways of kind of going underneath the door to learn different things. And um, and I think that even, and, and in that way, I use a lot of stories like, you know, Vasilisa or, <laughs> you know, those kind of stories. Um, but I also um, think that as we look at just how we reflect on births, those are stories too. And we all have our own reflections because everybody will have a different story of the same birth that they attended. And, um, but I think that as we go back into our births and we talk about births, we have to start doing midwifery from within in a sense we have to go back into, well, you know, especially when you ask students about a really, oh, who would like to share a really normal birth that you went to this week and students go through. And if you can start having them reflect like, oh, well, you know, and then they were just doing this. Well, how did you know they were doing this? How did you know it was normal? When you walked through that door, that threshold, what told you, what informed you in your body? Where did you feel that in your body? And, and in a sense, it's almost as if you go to more births <laughs> because as the person's starting to go through, they're starting to think about the mirror neurons and recognize them, right? And, and I think we have to develop um, in midwifery education that subset. We have to, we have to value it. And so that, so that these skills that we haven't previously named can come to the forefront, right? And I think that's where the dogmatic piece becomes more prevalent as maybe individuals feel like maybe there isn't that awesome wise woman that they can follow to learn this from because it does take time and, and an example to witness and be around so that you can embody those mirror neurons of a, a wonderful example and in lieu of that some I think that's where the dogmatic piece might be coming into play more people wanting to just own those things and and 
And then it turns into like, well, just don't do. And then there's a the hesitation of doing when it's like, oh gosh, you, you like, yeah, you, like you really just needed to do. <laughs> um, and that's kind of when I reposted your post. I, it was after hearing a string of stories of people just really struggling in this place of like wanting to not intervene and wanting to honor the hands off that the mother also wanted. But then a situation arose where uh, like more attention was needed more hands-on was needed and eventually they did it but it, it was a huge struggle to get there and in retrospect they're like oh I really just should have done it huh it's like yeah <laughs> um yeah well you know the judge in our head is pretty loud and so you know especially if we have those belief systems our initial belief systems set us up for um they're, they can be real gifts, but they also can be challenges to ourselves, right? And um, I came into work, I came into this work because I, I had my first baby was really a long birth. And my second, during my second pregnancy, well, I had a very long birth and my midwife just st stood by me and then I was 22. And at some point I decided I could die because I'd had a full life. And, and then of course, once I did that, I had a baby. But um, <laughs> it never occurred to me I'd do anything else. Like, um, had to let go of that very, piece of you. <laughs> excuse me? Had to let go of that piece of you. Had to let that That's piece right. Of that That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, we all die in some way. And I just really actually thought I would. Um, <laughs> but I'd partied. I'd had a good full life, right? Um, but with my second pregnancy, I watched my midwife go to prison. And so that was... Um, a whole other thing. And, and then I had an unassisted birth after that, because I watched that whole trial and um, divisions of the midwifery community attacking it, each other. Um, and, but you know, it's like, these are the ways that I came into it is that place of hands off with unassisted with friends as well. And, um, and then I got, then I left the midwifery community and got pulled kind of back into doula work in the hospital. Um, just in the sense of just like, oh, hey, come, come with me to this thing. And, and then at some point I started questioning why I was in the hospital once I went to a home birth again. Um, but it was, um, I, I don't even remember where I was headed with the story, but there was a point to it all. Um, the connections of the doing and not doing the unassisted yeah, I think that I think that it was really that place of, you know, learning what you wanted to from the beginning. And then when you start learning all these other things, you can be hard when you break those rules. But to break those rules and to kind of go the other direction is also part of that journey of learning. Yeah, that's where you're coming from, the internal judge and and then having the to internal expand, judge expand beyond what you thought you were or who you thought you were, what you but thought I you were going to do. But I think that this judge comes along with us all the time. And I mean, I feel like I'm finally starting to return to where I was, where I started, but it, it's like, I had to take this journey to another place to learn these other things, to, to realize I didn't know what I knew. And then, you know, it, it's kind of that whole birth workers labyrinth, like overarching labyrinth, right. Of, of the work that we do. And, and here I am on the other side. And now I'm kind of at the place of, if not now, then when. Mm -hmm. you know and and also like getting back to that radical that didn't seem so radical part of myself and yet in a little more conservative part of part of way than I was then um 
just because of life experience, right? Right, right. Yeah. That's, a, I don't know how I ended up on this long circuitous way to just say that, um, you know, when we have that voice come up inside of ourselves, that at least we're able to recognize it, you know, um, that we break our rules at some point and that it's okay that we do. And that sometimes we can be hard on ourselves when we go back and think about a birth. But, um, you know, I think what's important about that, not so much about berating ourselves, you know, for that particular moment that you intervened, but um, that it allows us to become more and more conscious about it. Yeah, that it doesn't yeah. just become part of the doing that is unconscious. It's just, oh, that the doing without um, the respect of the doing. In a way, maybe that's what's really happened is that the, the doing that I've been against all this time <laughs> or worked not to do is just needing more respect. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's totally wrote what I wrote at the end of the post was, you know, maybe we're focusing on the wrong thing. It's not so much the doing or the not doing, but more so the fact that they're being done unconsciously <laughs> that we need to focus more on just doing so intentionally. Yeah. Having a, a mentor that always reminds us, she's like, just be careful, keep the agenda out of the way. Even when the agenda is like the most beautiful thing, like I want this woman to have her triumphant V-back or whatever, get that out of the way because that distracts you from being in the moment <laughs> with reality and, and thus being able to accurately uh, observe, recognize what's going on and be able to respond in the best way possible, um, regardless of what needs to happen or what will yeah, be. Well, the ceremony of birth will take us different directions, right? And, and um, you know, who's to say that the direction that we wanted was the right one with it, you know? And so, so, you know, also being able to hold each person's path in that particular birth in that um, without reverence and non-judgment of where it goes, right? Yes, and I think that that's, that's definitely a big lesson for, for all of us just in life in general. And of course, everything, when you're midwife, everything is a metaphor of life when it comes to birth. <laughs> but it is the lessons, it's the lessons and they get sort of like compacted into this little window of, of this transformation. But this is, this is life's lessons. It's not to judge yourself too heavily, but to give yourself grace um, that we're all students of life. And, um, and may we continue to grow you know, gosh, I think I'll be ready to die when I think I know everything. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. then what? Right? Then what? <laughs> well, I also wanted to, I also remembered why I even brought up my midwife in the first place. And, you know, that I, that she went to prison is, is also like, you know, I'm talking about that place of us understanding and breaking our own rules, but also understanding that the midwifery community too has its trauma and its nervous system, right? It's a community nervous system and, and how different people react is that of also survival, right? And, um, and that it too had its origins and its survival skills when it was illegal or under attack or in some places for some midwives, it's the regulations and um, oversight and, you know, this goes back a long time because 
um, the community nervous system is um, powerful. But you know that also um, those those belief systems, the survival belief systems, are a part of the the people birthing in the community and a lot of midwives' beliefs too. And so I don't know. It's it's just like lots of stuff for us to sort. Um, and helping people have have the sacred birth that they want to have. Yeah. And sometimes what they don't want to have, but it's mm -hmm. but you know, they, moving from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's nice to be able to to at least honor that as best we can, right? And then sometimes recognizing that that path will change and we get what we need, right? Yeah. So, um, and then and then being able to work through that even with our own selves so we can work through it with the people we serve because we know they're judging themselves too. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why we if, if we can do our work eventually, maybe we can also um, sit, as you said, and be on that journey with them. Agreed wholeheartedly. Yeah, I guess I'd, I'd like to drop a little a PSA maybe for the listeners, <laughs> something that I would have liked to have heard at some point early on in my apprenticeship, apprenticeship journey. Cause like I mentioned, I had this internal struggle of, should I speak up? Should I say something? But I was stuck in the like, no, don't intervene. Don't interrupt, right? Because don't interrupt the process cause you gotta let it unfold. It took me a while to realize, well, if I'm being asked to be here, it's because I'm trusted in how I show up and I'm trusted in how I hold space and that it doesn't have to be looked at as an intervention necessarily, but it's like just influence and that you're invited here, you know, like when you're hanging out with friends, you, you're okay with who you're around and what they bring to the table. So I want anyone who may be in this position, navigating this themselves to give themselves permission to take up space in the birth space, which was a terrifying thought for me. I was like, no, be small. Do not do anything that could interrupt this mother. <laughs> and I'm not saying overpower and, and take over. There's a balance here, right? Like you said, the art of midwifery, the art of holding space, but that it's okay to influence if this mother's stuck in this like tension cycle and fear and she's not sure how to get through of course read the room know who you're working with this is why we build these deep relationships with the woman and we know each other deeply and we become family so that we know that if, it, if it's going to be appropriate to just give her a hug <laughs> in that moment and that that, yeah. that, that that could be an intervention an influence whatever you know, um, relationship makes birth safer. And, you know, it's, it's um, something that I just really hold to be true. I remember I was at a birth where someone had hired me in early labor <laughs> and she was a, it's always a learning experience, right? To do those births, sometimes a little bit of midwife purgatory, but, um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's that place where um, I was, I was at this birth and the midwife who was assisting me was like, why are you doing so many heart tones? Why are you listening to this baby so often? And I'm like, I don't know. Why am I listening? And then I had an aha that these heart tones were my relationship with the baby. And that 
you know, this is what the doctors deal with are numbers. And, 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 and this mom was a little crazy in, in retrospect, definitely. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, but it, and, and I've done births with people in labor before that have gone quite well. And I felt like I had an instinct, but I didn't have an intuition and I didn't have a connection to this baby. And it was so interesting. It was like, I had to have that aha moment about how much relationship plays into safety, right? And, and I think that that's also, you know, the art of our work too is developing that relationship and pregnancy and learning to have us be in consent in pregnancy and listening to one another and really showing then um, what's valued and just in the sense of, I'd, I'd say, you know, family-centered care, autonomy, um, and how we can track. We, I do a lot of body work in my practice, so um, in prenatal care. So we're doing, we're doing some hands-on work and just doing balance for the body and getting to know the relationship of the baby to the body as far as palpation. And, um, and so I think that a lot of that adds to how we come into relationship or um, in birth. So just also kind of that place that we're not we're not, um, I'm just reflecting on what you said, Daniela, that we're not coming in empty, you know, that we, we are now in connected to the nervous systems of the people that we're with. So. That's those many ways of listening. That's right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for that matter, sympathy to practitioners that are in those situations of working with people that they just don't know. And so much of it is just not ideal, but they're doing their best. Like, listen, I don't know this lady, so I'm going to use all my tools to try to tune into her in the short amount of time that I have. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I have a comment here that can kind of segue us into the breach conversation briefly. Um, but before I do so, any last thoughts on, on this aspect? I feel like I talk, could talk about this for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it could be its own podcast. Well, so we hear with breach, this hands off the breach thing a lot, right? And I read this article that talked about the woman who kind of started this famous saying in our realm, whose name I don't remember, maybe you know it. Mary Crump. There she is, voila. And apparently this woman, she says like, gosh, I kind of wish I hadn't said that because it's really been taken out of context and it's like become its own thing and it's not what I intended. And my understanding uh, is that it was coming more so from a place of her witnessing unskilled practitioners panicking with breech babies coming out and trying to get the baby out and doing maneuvers that were more damaging and causing more issues, right? So they were being hands-on again, unconsciously. 
and causing more issues. So she's like, you know what? We're better off just being hands off the breach. <laughs> like, if you don't know what you're doing, just don't do. Um, but now it's kind of taken on this form of like hands off the breach. And people tend to think that is somehow a special thing for breach babies that you have to be hands off until of course, you know, there's an issue where maybe you should be hands on, but I've come to a place full circle, right? The labyrinth of like, actually saying hands off the breach isn't any more special than just saying hands off the baby birth, any birth in general. <laughs> so so the, we're in the breach land now and I wanna invite you to please tell us how you became versed in breach and, and then tell us about your book a little bit and yeah, go for it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure Mary Cronk or Jane Evans would say that they made a mistake in saying that. I think that we just have different interpretations through telephone lines, you know, and so I'll, I'll go back to that later. Um, you know, I think I was just, um, I, I, my first awareness of breach was just in conversations around me when it being normalized. And so I didn't think twice. I had no interest in it. It was just something in the room um, until I had a breach baby myself. Um, she's my 16 year old. And so, you know, those third babies, <laughs> they, they they're throw. the wild card. <laughs> yeah. So she was, she was breached from 28 weeks on. And, you know, I had my little talks, well, even when I got pregnant, cause it was a surprise. And I was so excited about becoming a midwife. I was starting to catch babies at the time she was born. And, and I had to have a nice talk with her when I found out I was pregnant and just said, Hey, you're on this road with me. If you're in it in, in for it, being on this, we'll do this together. This is just where, where I'm meant to be. And thank you for being along the ride with me. If you're up for this, you know, and we had this nice deep conversation and, um, and so that, you know, she, I was pregnant with Nilaya. I went, when I was about 28 weeks with Nilaya is when I realized she was breech and I thought she was really cute. I'd had the other students feel the breech baby. They just weren't very excited about feeling the breech baby. I think that everyone was pretty much concentrating on birth and pregnancy was less exciting. Right. But she stayed that position. Um, yeah, I think around 36, 37 weeks, I had the Hmm, maybe, maybe you should turn. <laughs> It'd just be easier. And, you know, my husband was way more confident than I was. So I was confident, but I also knew the realities of, of birth work at that point. And not so much with breach, um, but, you know, she stayed in that position. I did do some things to try to get her to turn, but um, went to a friend of mine who was a midwife and she tried to turn her and her heart rate went down. And I said, oh, that's it. She spoke and I'm good with a breech birth. And so she was born at home and um, it was, um, none of my labors were easy. So on my second, probably the most so, which was my unassisted birth. And then um, this one, you know, it just, it was a different experience. And I think the different experience part of it was the actual emergence of her in the sense that when she was coming out, I was standing up. And at this point, you know, it wasn't like the internet wasn't what the internet was. And I knew very little. I just, you know, it's just, for me, it was almost better that way, not knowing too much as well, which worked out for us. It doesn't always work out for other people, but it worked out for us. 
And, um, but when she was coming out, it was like, I, I thought someone was shaking her from below and I looked down and of course no one was there. And she was like rocking herself back and forth. And so, and I feel the pressure and it would build up, build up, build up. And then I would push and then the legs went flop. <laughs> and then it was like a relief, right? And then I could feel the movements of the baby, right? And then the pressure would build and, I, and then I would push and then the elbows came out, you know? And then it would happen again. And then the arms would come out. And then at that point, I felt like I was done. And um, I wasn't. <laughs> and so I switched position and my husband at point at this point, my husband and my 11 year old son are the ones who are catching her. And someone had mentioned, you know, Hey, you better give her some support so she doesn't fall out. So my husband's got his hand there holding her and, you know, there just wasn't any pressure. And so at some point he just let go and her, and, you know, and her feet touched the floor. And then she did this thing where she like lifted her fists and her legs and then a, her head came down and she was born, right? And we just thought she was really badass and um, she is, but it was, you know, that, that reflex, but that she didn't have when the gravity wasn't there, right? And of course we were being hands-off. We didn't have like a plan, another plan to it really, except for the fact that we'd figure it out and we did. Um, but I think it's also that place of, um, yes, we respect the mechanisms, but when the baby doesn't continue to come, we don't just do nothing because, you know, it's it, a lot of times there's, there's certain signs that we can see just like with a head down baby and babies who are head down are helping them see, seem themselves be born in the same way Nelia was helping herself be born, right? But this is how what brought me to this work. And it took me a few years to get into starting to go out and find breach workshops or find extra training because I, I realized that there was these holes. And in the early 2000s, when I decided to move from doing doula work into self-studying myself into being a midwife, <laughs> um, because that's kind of what I thought um, I would do. Um, I went to Oaxaca for a midwifery conference and just learned so much being around traditional midwives, um, learned a lot from the Roboso through the years. And so that informed me and was my teacher. I started out with like small little things. And then eventually the, even in not using the Roboso, I can't claim that things I know weren't learned from it. And so just, you know, having that respect and gratitude for thinking more about effects on the body and effects on gravity and movement. And so all of those things came together for me to start asking different questions. And that's kind of how I came into spinning babies was um, I was at a midwifery um, workshop with an obstetrician and midwife in Indianapolis. Um, it was a hands-on workshop for, um, for skills. And um, that's where I really got to meet Gail Tolley a little bit better than just a workshop at, for children's social spinning babies. And I, I guess I was asking the right questions about how to um, help with complications with movements and, and thinking differently. And so that's how I got into spinning babies. And it's also the day that 
I started to really hear what Gail was saying about what normal was. And so she kept telling me about what I was trying to do because she was running this simulation line, even though she wasn't a teacher, she was a participant. <laughs> the other line was too busy. And so I was like, oh, I'll hang out with Gail and find out. And she just, and all the way home on the airplane, all I could do is with my notes, try to put together acronyms of how do I know normal and how do I put this together? And um, so, you know, it's just, I, I feel like I got into this work because of Nelia. You know, it was that, that, that talk when I was pregnant about that tenderness and sadness of, of my work and not wanting to leave, leave it. And when in fact she was the depth of my work. It's so beautiful. I know <laughs> you're pregnant with your she third. She was 100% in. She just, <laughs> you just didn't know. Yeah. Well, she's and like, she still does things. <laughs> <laughs> well, she still is like my teacher and, and, and she still does things you don't expect her to do in different ways. And then she pulls it off, right? How beautiful. Um, but, uh. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, and being in California with restrictions on, on breach, you know, has also been a process too. And so between spinning babies and, and also my passion and breach, a lot of people started seeking me out for um, body work or for help to turn the baby in pregnancy. And so that's kind of how I got into the breach advocacy end of it, where um, I probably see up, have zero to five people a week who are breach at the end of pregnancy. A lot of them are in obstetrical care. And um, I would say that this has been the biggest gift for my skills as a midwife right there. And that, you know, when you have a breach population, some babies are meant to be breached. Some breach just run in the family. Some babies missed opportunities. That's why they're there. And some it's because of other things going on. So, you know, with breach, you have a higher incidence of bicornate uteruses, unicornate uteruses. Uh, you have a higher incidence of polyhydramnios, oligoidramnios, issues with babies that are going on, um, scar tissue. You know, you have like, a whole assortment of things going on and body imbalances is a big part of that, which is another reason that, you know, when people are hands off the breach or, you know, we can just let this be, it's like, yeah, well, the intervention happened in the modern world already. We aren't going to be the intervention. We're about restorative, you know, midwifery is restorative work. And so we've got to, I think that that reframing is what we need to do, right? Is that restorative reframing? I think that is 100% true. I love that quote. That's going to be like the quote, I think, of this. <laughs> <laughs> this whole conversation, because it is. This is what we do. This is why we sit with them, lay hands on them, listen to them, cry with them, hold space. It's, it is. It's 100% restorative. And the timing matters in prenatal care, in the birth room, emergencies, or just in re restoring storing the nervous system after previous trauma. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Woo, chicken skin. Chicken. <laughs> that, so that leads to the book that I wrote. Um, I co-wrote with Jamie Mosse, and it really is about um, 
It really is about breach pregnancy and, um, and also consent and restoration and it breaks down breach and how breach was part of um, what got appropriated from the midwifery in the first place by doctors. It's kind of that place of, uh, re- I wanted to say reclamation, but it's, it's, I think that for us, it's about restoration. I think I'll go back to that word, less capitalist. <laughs> yeah, great. And you mentioned earlier, the book can be found on Amazon, anywhere else? Audible. So you can listen to um, Jamie and I talking. Um, you can, it's, we, we published it through Amazon. So no matter how much people hate Amazon, the thing is that they, there's less gates to jump through, um, less worry, less time to pander to other people who want to change your voice. And so we self-published through Amazon. Um, so that's why it is bought on Amazon. And um, we just, um, I'm at a friend's studio where he teaches drums. And this is where we co- um, recorded the Audible book is in here. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so that's, um, a lot of that is just about um, body work in kind of revisioning how we see the baby's relationship to the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, that's what we need is less stuff in the way of the people and the breach wisdom. So I'm going to praise up Amazon. Don't usually do that, but Hey, if they're helping do that right on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm a firm believer that breach is, um, Breach allows us to see things we would, don't see with head down babies, but it is really about all, all babies. Mm. You know, that w- what we see as we learn to be hands off with breach or know that timing tip to be hands on or know how to do the restoration for the baby to be able to be freed and released, right? That work, that's, that's stuff that we can learn for, for how to work with hand, you know, head down babies too. Right. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. I guess the book's kind of like breach for head down babies. As well. <laughs> breach for all, breach for all. It's beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. One more question for you, Nicole, you mentioned earlier something you started about 10 years ago. I think you called it the birth workers journey, the storytelling is that still available? How can people access that? Well, it's only been in person, although last year I did one online. Um, and I'm hoping right now, uh, Jamie Mosse and I are doing a project of, um, because what it, it kind of has turned into, it, it was a five week course was when it started, which was just using storytelling as a reflection along with some skills for midwifery. Um, like developing intuition or learning about like um, aspects of ourselves or so I'm, so I'm right now we're writing um, a book that's utilizing like midwifery hands-on back to the basics in essence with various stories. So um, I, I do have a birthworkersjourney.com, but it might not take people very far <laughs> because um, 
we only, I only have so much bandwidth. I've got this parenting project thing going to like trying to take care of a 16 year old homeschooling yeah, um, other okay. things, but yeah, that's actually where my passion lies is in that aspect of learning counseling through storytelling, letting the stories be our guide gets us under the door and less in our uh, prefrontal cortex. I love that. I feel like that's such a part of how Daniela can speak to this too. I mean, I love sharing stories with our families just so they have different, like here's one scenario of how this could, you know, and here's another person's experience. And, and then this is how someone else in the room, this goes back to what you were saying. And even the whole hands-off quote, right? Of like what we say or how we experience something. You can have five people in the same room having the same experience and they'll take something else home from it. It's not, all, you know, the sh a shared experience is still an individual experience. And For sure, for yeah. sure. Well, you know, it's also like, you know, I mentioned Vasilisa, you know, that intuitive doll in your pocket that gives you the direction to go or that aspect of sorting what's medicine and what's not medicine, right. you know, um, that hard, those hard places of meeting parts of yourself that uh, you don't see very often, right. the bitch and the wise woman, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why I was asking. I was like, I want to show up. Um, who knows? Maybe I'll be out there sometime and get to join. But it, right, the stories is a way to also share how people were present. It's an example of how they use their intuition along the way. And yeah, get them out of their thinking brain of just like, oh, well, when you have beach, you do this. Or when you have this diagnosis, you do this. Or it's like, no, how do you actually move through life in these scenarios or ways that people have invites yeah. people to, yeah. Yeah. Their intuition and creativity. Yeah. So well, I'm so grateful <laughs> to spend yeah. time with you this morning. Yeah. You know, well, when thank people you. say all the feels, Nicole, I had all the feels. Okay. First thinking about even getting on this call, I was feeling a little nervous. I was like butterflies in my stomach. I was like really trying really hard to settle myself. I'm like, ground yourself, center yourself. But I was just so excited uh, to hear you. I was like, oh, cause I've been following you for a while. So it, it, it was just very exciting. And then, and then you made me tear up and then I got chicken skin. I had all the feels today already yeah. with you. Truly an honor to explore this conversation with you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. And, and you know, just want to say that I'm, I'm looking forward to building community over this work, right? Like that's, that's where we start shifting the paradigm is with all of us caring about these, these topics. Yes. You know, it's that caretaking of midwifery itself and, you know, and, and where we can unite rather than be divided. It's kind that's of like... You we know, have way more in common than not. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, yes, it's it's really, I know that being a midwife is not always the easiest to even carve out the time to build these connections, especially across oceans. And, <laughs> um, you know, it's so, again, but our community is so rich and so full of, of um, 
knowledge and appreciation and again like leaning more into that i think it's beautiful so you taking the time to to share with us your experience and your journey and we'll for sure put your um, information in the show notes for if people want to um, explore your book and then if there's would you like to be contacted by others beyond this um, platform would you like to share how people can be in touch with you um you're welcome to um get in touch with me i have um, art of opening midwifery it's my mid it's art of opening.com and i have a blog there people can sort through and people are welcome to just send me um emails through that um you know or contact me on Instagram is kind of new to me. I'm still figuring it out. I'm, I, I don't have um, the social niceties of Instagram yet. So have some, some grace. Um, you know, I'm also a spinning babies trainer. And um, anyways, people are welcome to contact me because this is, this is the work that I'm interested in doing. So, um, and love feedback about the book too. And, um, and good luck to both of you on your journeys. It's, it, it's just kind of like special places where both of you are right now. And I just want to recognize that, like um, turning out as a midwife and finding that place of, of uh, stepping out into, into like the big, the big place of, of um, becoming. And then also that the, the place of having a third baby <laughs> as a midwife, you know, just, I, I don't know if that's public work. You can always delete that if it's not. Oh, safe. no, we, <laughs> we had a podcast about when you, uh, when your cycle is late or just doesn't come at all. <laughs> that is a funny, vast place of expansion to be in. <laughs> it's all, it, it, the plumber's plumbing is never done. You know, it's like the midwife's still in shock and denial. <laughs> yes, yes. But thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that. And um, yes, and you on your continued journey as well, you thank know. You. Give yourself grace and stay in love. And <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go get that breach book once and for all. Been thinking on that one for enough time now. Time to go get it. And blessings on the next book adventure. And, and hopefully we can get you out here someday to teach your wisdom in person. All right. Okay. Thanks for Thank your you time. Thank you again. All right. Such gratitude. Thank you. Aloha. Aloha.